Hi everybody, welcome to another Facebook Live here at the Tennessee Holler. I'm Justin Canoe, TNHoller.com, at the TNHoller on Twitter and Facebook. Special one today, we have Reps Johnson and Stewart, Tennessee Democrats. I do want to say, I know I talk to Democrats a lot out here, standing invitation, any Republicans in the entire state of Tennessee, I am happy to talk to you anytime you want to come and have a conversation open invitation this is not just for democrats it just so happens the democrats are the only one brave enough to come on the holler so reps johnson and stewart nice to see you both today Good to see you. so uh let's talk about what happened today you guys were on a call with all the legislators and governor lee told you everything is going to be okay and the storm is passing is that about right mike why don't i direct this to you uh after the call with Governor Lee today, do you feel like the storm is passing? Uh, yeah, I do not. I do not. I certainly appreciate uh, the, the governor's willingness to uh, keep us informed. I, I, however, continue to be concerned that we do not have a clear, comprehensive plan that healthcare providers, government officials, and the people can look at and understand a critical aspect of our response from testing to obtaining sufficient PPE to obtaining sufficient ventilator capacity. I just don't, I don't yet believe that there is a clear plan for any of those essential aspects of our state response. And that concerns me. Representative Johnson, do you share his concerns? Well, yeah, I, (laughs) there's, I share those concerns. We're just getting mixed messages all over the place. Because, um, you know, the, the storm is passing. And then today, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be at the peak. And we're staying at home, but then you can go out. The problem here is that mixed message. All across the state, people are not sure what is happening, what's happening in their city, what's happening in their county. And now the governor has admitted to not having enough beds and not having enough ventilators. And it's April 1st, and we don't have a count on the number of ventilators we have, that's a problem in my view. So, I, you know, we talked about this the other day, Mike, but, you know, I guess I would ask, what do you think it is that is holding him back? You know, we've seen doctors now, we've seen the head of infectious diseases at Vanderbilt call for a shelter at home order. You know, we've seen that that's what has worked in other states and other countries. Why is he not doing it? What is he afraid of? I don't have a really good explanation. Um, I uh, I do think everybody, I think Governor Lee was held back initially, I have to assume by President Trump who made light of this entire issue and for a long time uh, gave contradictory messages to the effect that this wasn't a big deal, it would pass. Just recently, President Trump was talking about reopening businesses, I mean, the exact opposite message that all healthcare professionals in the entire world were suggesting. So to some extent, the national climate may have caused some of this. But let's face it, at the end of the day, Governor Lee leads the state. And so when we don't have clear testing, when we have testing centers that are not open seven days a week, when we have major cities without clear testing centers or without testing centers that have significant capacity, 
when we don't have a clear plan for ventilators. Um, you know, that's on Governor Lee. I have no understanding how two weeks, three weeks into our in, into our response, uh, these basic things have not been done. I mean, there's just no excuse where there's plenty of money. There are plenty of resources. There's no excuse for testing centers, drive-in testing centers to only be operating a few days a week. There's no excuse for us to have cities like Knoxville that do not have significant broad-based drive-in testing centers unless one was open today. You know, until we get enough testing capacity, we're not going to understand where we stand with this illness and we're not going to be able to respond. And I'll give you an example. The state finally started posting testing levels according to the state's or the, the tests done according to the state's website. They've only they've done less than 600 tests in Hamilton County. Well, I think anybody with any common sense knows that is not enough tests to take care of even the frontline health professionals in, in Hamilton County even people directly exposed to people with coronavirus. I don't want to hog this, this uh, uh, FaceTime live, so I'll stop. But I just think at every level, we are not seeing Governor Lee treat this like a wartime situation where things have to be done immediately and where there are no excuses and you spend the resources you have to get the mission done regardless of the immediate cost. Well, Gloria, you talked about mixed messages, you know, even just today in the same press conference, well, the call with you guys, the health department said there's no barriers to testing. And then later in the day, Governor Lee said, actually, we're not testing as many people as we'd like to be. We are testing more than Kentucky. Uh, you know, it, it, they, they seem to want to err on the side of optimism, but there is a danger to too much optimism. And I think too much optimism, frankly, is what got us into this situation in the first place, because, you know, First, Donald Trump was trying to say, oh, it's going to be at zero soon. And then now Governor Lee is saying the storm is passing. And what that ends up doing is sending a signal to the state that, you know what, keep going about your business. Do you feel like too much optimism is dangerous for you? Well, you know, I have a problem with the word optimism because um, I think that stating the facts, being open and transparent, having a coordinated, cohesive plan is what breeds trust in people and they don't have anxiety because they know where we are, we know what's expected, they know what's expected of them, and they know how to go forward. Where the anxiety and the panic comes in is when they don't trust the information they're getting. And so what we know are the tests in some cases are 10 days behind. So we are actually at far more cases than we realize because we're waiting on these tests. I had a researcher contact me today to say that, you know, she thinks that we are probably almost 10 days behind and that we have thousands more cases that we just haven't gotten the results back on. And so um, Governor Lee yesterday in his address talked about mental health and, um, and, and, you know, was concerned about panicking people. But where the panic comes from is when we don't have a coordinated, comprehensive plan posted online updated every day that is consistent across city websites, county websites, and the state websites so that everyone knows what their job is, what to expect tomorrow, and how they can help. That is how you calm people and get the job done. And that's not what the governor is doing. I see a lot of people commenting and we see your comments and generally speaking, everybody's feeling like there's this 
uh, ignorance, I guess, is the word of, of science, that people are intentionally ignoring science, intentionally ignoring facts. Uh, Governor Lee keeps hinting or alluding to this, med this part of the medical community that he's talking to that is very supportive of his decision not to shelter in place, even though we've seen 2,000 doctors sign a letter, and we've seen, as I mentioned, Dr. Aronoff, head of infectious diseases at the Vanderbilt Medical Center. Uh, do you guys believe that there is some mystery group of medical professionals out there telling Governor Lee that he's doing everything word forwardly? Mike, I'll ask you that. I mean, I'll take the governor governor at his word, but whoever he's talking oh, to, can you, are we still working? Whoever he's talking to is clearly far outside the mainstream of American medical science. I mean, it's not for nothing that in a few days, uh, thousands of doctors signed on to a petition to get uh, Governor Lee to issue a shelter in place order. It's really not a controversial thing. And, and I have to say, I completely agree with Representative Johnson about the need for this comprehensive, clear plan to give everybody a guidepost as to what he or she should be doing in this crisis. Let me tell you, uh, every country, every place that's gotten this under control has done that, has provided extensive testing everywhere and then provided clear guidelines so that the people that needed the testing, people who've been exposed to potentially, to people who carry the virus, people who work in hazardous fields, who work with a lot of people are exposed and are potentially exposed, uh, first responders, all the places that have gotten this under control have coupled extensive testing with testing the right people. But right now we have this patchwork of guidance. So if you live in Chattanooga, you can, according to the department's website, you can go to one place and get tested, the health department. And then there's no clear guidance as to who should be tested and who should not be tested. All of this should be on the state's website. It should be absolutely crystal clear. And the testing capacity should be much more broad, should be much broader so that we can really start getting a handle on what's going on. And of course, testing is just one component. Uh, you know, shelter in place is another component. We also have guidance as to where people can go if they test positive but don't have significant symptoms so that they don't go back and infect their family members. Uh, think about up in Sumner County, there's a nursing home where people have died. Over a hundred people infected up in that county, probably only one or two people who weren't tested at, uh, brought that illness into that closed environment. And one final point, I don't wanna go on and on, but, but I'm very concerned that part of not having a comprehensive plan reflects the fact that our health professionals are not our health deliverers, but our uh, health professionals that are supposed to track the people who've been infected and ensure that we're testing all the right people. I don't think that infrastructure is working in a coordinated fashion because I'm hearing from many, many healthcare providers about people who called into their health department, talked about exposure, and have never been subsequently contacted by a healthcare professional. Again, I'm just very concerned that there is not a clear system for tracking this illness, making sure the tests are conducted properly, making sure that every single person who has coronavirus is separated from 
uh, the community so that person can comfortably not infect other people. I'm very concerned that all this coordination is simply not being done at the level that we need in this state. Absolutely. Well, we've heard from South Korea that that's a big part of why they got it under control was that they were testing, 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 and then you know they would they would make sure anybody who was had any symptoms whatsoever was away from people. And turning the testing around fast is a big part of it, and that's simply not happening here. We get messages every day about people who took a test ten days ago still haven't heard. I see a message on here. Somebody's telling us that they they were tested and never heard back. Uh, you know these things are just unacceptable. And you know again we have our leaders on TV and, and in live streams telling us that everything's fine and there's no barrier and it's just, it's really not an okay situation and it, it, it keeps us from progressing. Uh, I see other people are talking about how Ludon County isn't putting out any information, places here are packed. What do you guys think about the fact that Governor Lee does not seem to think that we need enforcement of a shelter in place and he thinks everybody is just gonna accept this new executive urging and do what they're expected without any sort of pressure or real ramifications. Gloria, do you think people are going to listen to what he's been saying? People are listening. I can't tell you, you know, I live in the real world and I go out in the real world and talk to people who live in the real world. I've gotten so many calls and messages and texts saying, what do I do? There's a group of almost a hundred folks having a baseball game and drinking beer out at such a budget field. You know, how do we make this stop? And I get these calls nonstop. So when he gets up there and says that, all it does is show us has, how out of touch he is with what's happening in normal communities where the where most of us live. And, and the reality is folks aren't going to do it unless they're told to do it. And it's and it's not happening. And if we want to be serious about, you know, lowering the number of cases, we have to do this. It's it's just not avoidable. You know, there are two things that we have to do. We have to shelter in place and we need to expand Medicaid for those 400,000 plus who don't have access to affordable care. We're not going to bring down the numbers unless we do those two things. But shelter in place is critical as soon as possible. And it's hard not to say that Medicaid expansion isn't the same because it is. Micah, I just want you to speak about uh, the idea that lives and livelihoods are on the same side of the equation in this thing. We keep hearing about how we have to choose between lives and livelihoods, but the truth is the sooner we actually choose lives and make the pro-life decision, to put it in terms that people might understand here, the sooner we can get back to our livelihoods. And every day that goes by that we don't treat this with the seriousness it deserves is letting this thing drag on, infect more people, and actually hurting the economy more. Aren't lives and livelihoods on the same side of the equation? It's, it's completely true. Uh, and, uh, you know, South Korea is held up as a country that's responded very effectively. They uh, conducted hundreds of thousands of tests. They made sure that people didn't infect other people, people who become infected. And now uh, they're able to scale all that back and their economy is doing extremely well because everybody can go back to work. Uh, the, the rapid dynamic response maximum testing, maximum resources, maximum shelter in place. That is what is going to get this under control. Once it's under control, then people can get back to work in a normal sort of way. So you're right, the two go hand in hand. What hurts us is when we have a delayed response, 
when we're sitting around, and as of the beginning of this week, you had major counties that, according to the Department of Health, had no significant testing resources, just as one example. Now they're citing, they're making kind of a nod to small testing resources. The point is kind of taking everything in baby steps like we've done uh, with the lack of a shelter in place order, that's the way you ensure that your economy is going to be held back for months and months and months. Because until we get these basic things done, until we have an organized, comprehensive plan, as Representative Johnson said, that coordinates the entire state so everybody can pitch in according to a rational plan and know the benchmarks and know what to do, until we do that, we're just delaying uh, our ability to get this under control. And that means that our economy can't get back on track either. So to your point, the two go hand in hand. The faster we respond, the more effectively we respond, the faster people get back to work and the faster normal life resumes. And, and one of the other disappointing things on our call, you know, we talked, you talked about Justin, that he said the storm was passing the other day. Well, on the call, he just gets to you know, in a couple of weeks, we're not going to have enough hospital beds. We're not going to have enough ventilators. It was the first time I'd heard him say this, but he said, we're, we think we might have more than we first thought. Well, they first thought they had 500. He's saying now there might be more. We're counting them. But it's April 1st, and why are we counting? And I want to read, if it's okay, a couple of numbers of where we are. These were new projections that came out yesterday, and they say that our peak point is going to be around April 26th it's estimated that we will see an average of 192 COVID-19 deaths per day. If the response remains the same in Tennessee, we're met, we are estimated to have 4,985 deaths by August 4th, 2020. We will need 18,979 beds. We have 7,812 available. We will need 2,898 ICU beds we have 620 available and 2,318 ventilators with 500 available. And that's coming from Vandy, that model? No, this is actually uh, the Washington model, I believe, which is what someone on our call this morning cited. Gotcha. Well, and let me just say, uh, with respect to this modeling, you know, the fact is we've already had a long period for the state to react. I mean, the Democrats had their first press conference solely devoted to this on March the 9th. There have been a lot of discussions earlier and statements made and so forth, but specific press conference saying, how many ventilators do we have? What is our ventilator capacity? That was one of the 12 questions that Democrats posed. And the point was to get it out there and get a response. And it sounds like we're still getting a piecemeal response all these days later. And it goes to the point that we're making, which is we still need to have a comprehensive plan that coordinates all this so we can all be assured, so the public can be assured that if someone's been exposed, they can be tested, that healthcare workers are protected with PPE and they are tested so we know which ones potentially are at risk of coronavirus, of COVID-19, frankly, which ones uh, have probably developed antibodies and are now safe from the illness going forward. In any event, uh, there's a lot of activity now, but we still do not have the assurances we need that the administration is moving forward on these 
critical points quickly enough. And when we look at shelter in place, the fact that you have all these healthcare providers calling for it now for many, many days, and we're still kind of limping along with half measures. Unfortunately, I think that's not the exception. It's the rule with every aspect of this administration's response. We need to maximize our response in every respect, PPE, testing, uh, shelter in place, uh, expansion, that all needs to be done now. We would rather be, we'd yeah. rather err on the side of overreacting and Tennessee and the country right. has erred on the side of underreacting every step of the way. And it has legitimately gotten people killed. I see questions here that I'm going to get to from people. I'm going to ask you guys in a second, but Mike, I just want to ask you both, what could be more comprehensive and coordinated than calling something a unified command? Isn't that enough? He started a unified command, you guys. Come on. Well, I mean, he did a task force for Medicaid, a unified command for this. Like, the guy's on it. It's, you know, a task force for a task force. Maybe it takes some of the heat off of him, but the reality is he's the lead on this, and he is the one falling short, and his task force is falling short. We're just now counting ventilators on April 1st. And we know that we are over a thousand short. You know, it's it is past time to act on this. And like yeah. I got, and when it comes to PPEs, I can tell you, I got a, an email from a friend today or a text, and she says, "Hey Gloria, I'm working as a sales rep for a factory out of China. They're making PPE masks, a hundred thousand FDA certified per day production capability. Who do you think I should contact about these?" And, and the governor tells us, well, I'm talking to entrepreneurs and they like the idea. It's April 1st. So the entrepreneur likes the idea. Then what? Yeah, the answer somebody needs be to, everybody. Yeah, somebody needs to get on a Gulf Stream and fly to that factory and get those masks and bring them to the state of Tennessee if we don't have somebody manufacturing them right here. The point is we, we've got to get to the point where we are recognizing that that healthcare providers not having PPE in the state of Tennessee in the United States of America is totally unacceptable. And if it's a problem on Tuesday, it needs to be solved by Wednesday morning. We've got to get away from this idea that uh, this is just a normal governmental project. You know, and and you point you talked about the unified command. Look, I hope for the unified command's success. My concern is we do not see that today. So we judge it by its effectiveness. We still have testing centers that are not open seven days a week. We have cities without major testing centers. Until they have those, we know that this unified command is not meeting even the basic, it's not satisfying even the basic elements of a plan that the public should have the right to expect. And we have folks both in cities and certainly in rural areas with no protective masks of the sort that they need, and some none at all. Well, Janie Pennington says on CNN, they just said they're deploying the last round of PPE from the national stockpile. It kind of makes you wonder why we sent 18 tons to China back when Trump was thinking that this was never going to come to us. Uh, I'm going to ask you a couple questions that are being asked here in the comments. I saw one from somebody asked, uh, about the Gatlinburg troopers. Do you guys remember that? When yes, I know. Trump said, or, or Governor, sorry, I can't, can't tell them apart anymore. Uh, Governor Lee said that he sent state troopers to Gatlinburg to confirm that people were following his executive urging. And Docs News followed up, Gloria, in your neck of the woods and found 
that the troopers basically said, huh? We yeah, don't know anything about this. He said, you know, what's he talking about? That is what the trooper said to the reporter here from the Knox News. Absolutely. So the answer is no, he did not do that. Uh, Shane Wesley Bilbrey says for both of you, do you think local leaders are being more transparent than the governor? Well, it, you know, it's, it's interesting because Mike can talk about Nashville. Here in Knoxville, our city mayor is doing a great job and, you know, really pushing as far as she possibly can, but there are limits with the city mayor. Our county mayor is more of the style of Bill Lee. And, oh, you know, everybody's personal liberties and, and we can't tell people what to do and all that sort of thing. So that is horrible confusion for folks who live in the city or live on the edge and, and maybe live in the county. And it's very confusing. And that, again, goes back to we need that comprehensive statewide plan. I'll right. say for Mayor, Mayor Cooper, just he has shown that he's willing to make tough decisions. He closed down Lower Broadway very early in this process showed he was made, willing to make a tough call to get this under control. At the end of the day, though, uh, this our, this discussion just shows why we need a statewide response and a clear response, because you just can't address the coronavirus from as a mayor. You know, at the end of the day, this is a statewide problem. Our cities are porous. And so we need to have a unified uh, a plan and the state has, frankly, most of the resources and money, and we need to see that money moving downstream and getting these testing centers open, getting the PPE properly distributed, et cetera, et cetera. It's got to be a statewide response. Absolutely. Well, I, I want to give you guys a chance to say kind of whatever you want to say, uh, deliver a message to Governor Lee. Uh, first, I just want to ask Gloria about there was a guy on Facebook talking about gathering 11 people uh, to, to sort of make a statement against the stay at home order and against the idea of not bringing 10 people together. The question I guess I would pose is, you know, those people are, I think, making a legal argument about this. What, what are, what are actually, and maybe this is for Mike also, what, what are the legal ramifications? Like what authority does the government have to impose this on people when our lives are at stake? Our city said we're going to do citations. Uh, I think it's a $50 fine uh, that they'll be passing out to folks that gather in groups larger than 10. That's what um, American Cannon said yesterday, I believe. Right. And Mike, what about legally speaking? Like, what, what, what's the argument to people who say, you know, land of the free and my personal liberty is more important than your life? Well, there's a reason that the people using their voting power have had their representatives enact laws that allow for exceptional actions during a time of emergency. This is a time of emergency. Governor Lee has declared a state of emergency and that allows him sweeping power to cut through existing laws to take care of the problem. So those people I think are simply legally wrong. I would also say that with respect to just the philosophical issue of freedom, freedom is premised on citizens taking responsibility. So this foolishness where people are saying, well, I don't wanna comply because I should have personal freedom. That misunderstands the whole idea of personal freedom. The, freedom. the reason our country is free is because people use their freedom responsibly. If they didn't, you couldn't have a free country. So I think philosophically they're wrong and they're clearly not correct legally. Governor Lee clearly has the power to fully issue a shelter in place order and absolutely enforce it. Does it not confuse things? This is a question from Sarah Blevins McMillan. Why is the essential businesses list so long. 
I, I wanted the same thing. Like you could look at that essential businesses list. It's five pages long and basically find a way to qualify any business under that. You know, what, what was the reason for making the essential businesses list a laundry list of, of businesses? Those are not, a, I mean, the things that are still open, tobacco shops, groomers, um, oh. you know, what's that, pawn shops, uh, another one that was uh, uh, payday lenders. What, what is essential? They're taking the meaning out of the word essential. Why is the essential businesses list so long? Well, because quite frankly, what I'm told is you really didn't want to do it at all. And so it made it as, you know, as few businesses as possible that actually closed. Um, Go ahead. Excuse me. And that, I mean, you know, that that's what I think it is. It's not something he wanted to do. He's He is feeling the pressure. He's feeling pressure from the 20,000 people who signed, from the 2,000 plus doctors. He knows he needs to do it. But there's also this really afraid to just stand up and and do what's right and take a stand because a few people are going to be upset but that's what leadership is and that's what it means you step up and for the good of the people and do what's right to keep people safe and i'm sorry you're going to have some people disagree with you and i understand that but you've got to take a stand and you've got to do what's right for all the people of tennessee I think your point about the list is well taken. It's complex. It's it's it needlessly avoids making the hard choice. What we need is simple, clear directives, uh, closing the vast majority of businesses so that we can get this thing under control. That's what places are do. That's what places that are getting this under control are doing. These half measures just don't work. This is an emergency situation. And it's a time for dynamic emergency action. Everything needs to be done more quickly. Our resources need to be thrown in the breach. And with respect to the, you know, we don't need a five page list of essential businesses. What we need is a clear three sentence directive that tells everybody in the state what needs to happen as is happening all across the country and other states. Okay, I'm gonna change gears here for a second and then we can give some final thoughts on this, but I wanna ask you about something that just happened, Gloria especially. Uh, we just learned today that Representative David Byrd is running again for State House, even though he decided, he told us he wasn't going to, to try to quiet some of the uh, criticism. Gloria, why is this happening again? Is this a, a, a lack of firmness from Republican leadership that's letting this happen? Well, certainly they didn't send the right message to him because he is back. And the other thing is, it, it, it all, it's all part of that whole why he is an abuser. Why, you know, is, is that that lust literally for power for him? You know, he forced those kids to wear his T-shirts when they came up to the Capitol. He, um, you know, admitted to sexually assaulting teenagers in in his in his classroom and on his basketball team this is a person who has an issue with power quite frankly and all i can promise him that uh these folks are not going to be quiet and they will be heard and it's really a bad idea i hear there is an elected official in his district who is running and my understanding is he is not an admitted child molester I hope those folks make the right decision, but there'll be plenty of information out there. And information, you know, it's also going to be folks who voted to stop uh, the, um, mo the motion we had in special session 
to um, oust him, those people are going to feel some heat in their districts too, because the folks in North Tennessee don't like it. They don't want him in the legislature, and the Republicans need to help make sure that he's not there. Absolutely. I, I will say this. That guy did not deserve to ride off into the sunset on, on his own. So, you know, I if he does come back and win, I, I can't wait for the day that he gets expelled. Mike, what are your thoughts on David Byrd running well, again? I mean, I can't believe it because, you know, Representative Johnson led the charge. And what we heard at the time, the reason there were all these procedural barriers put forward by the Republicans was, well, he's announced he's not running again. So he's going to be gone. And so this shouldn't be a big deal. Wait a minute. Well, what happened there? I, I was just completely appalled when I heard this news because that was essentially the whole basis for the Republicans procedurally thwarting the effort to expel him. And so, you know, that was the whole premise of that. Are we are we hearing? Was that never serious? What happened? I'm actually dumbfounded by the entire thing, and I can't believe this is happening. And we're still dealing with this. I mean, it should have been solved long ago. Frankly, Representative Johnson had the motion to make it happen. And the whole idea that, you know, the, the statements on the floor, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, all reference the fact that uh, he was not going to be running again. And that's why the Republicans blocked uh, the effort to expel him. Well, totally ridiculous. Uh, anyway, I, I'm dumbfounded. I, I'm almost speechless at this ridiculous. Go ahead, Gloria. You had something else to say. I've got a lot to say. Um, and they said they promised an investigation. And so w this session, when I said, OK, what about the investigation? Well, there has to be a new resolution. So I wrote a new resolution. And when I put that resolution forward, just before we recessed, it was supposed to go to the Constitutional Committee. And I talked to the chair of that committee and he said, well, you know, you're not going to have a second in that committee for the bit for the resolution to be heard. Well, and this is after I specifically questioned uh, at least one, perhaps two members of Republican leadership on this on the floor, got these clear assurances. So I, I kind of feel like we're running in circles uh, created by other people. Uh, we have clearly uh, stated that he needs he has no place in the legislature. Uh, tried to expel him, and we're told, well, he's not coming back. Now we're told he is running after all. There's a huge colossal failure and runaround from the Republican leadership, and I, I'm just dumbfounded. But obviously, if somehow uh, he actually does run and gets elected, we know what we'll be doing the minute we return. I mean, it's just crazy what is happening, and it's it's appalling on multiple levels. So we're just going to have to double down. This this problem should have been solved a year ago. It should have been solved when Representative Johnson made her motion on the floor. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the Democrats, we've tried to solve this problem in multiple occasions, and it's just incredibly disappointing that here we go again. Yes. And thank you both for fighting for it. And, you know, I will say that since we keep saying they, I want to name names. This is Cameron Sexton, the speaker, and also Michael Curcio, who is the head of the Judiciary Committee, who made the promise on the floor and then has since done very little to follow through on it. And, you know, I got to think that those guys are probably not wanting this headache either. And it will be a headache. I know for sure that this is not going away for them anytime soon. Let's shift back and, and give some thought. Yeah, if you want to talk, Mike, go ahead. I was just going to go back. I, I just higher. think, and this, you know, again, there are people 
victims that watch have watched us. You know, so there is an imperative here, a time imperative to put this to an end. Yes. And I think, Gloria, you said uh, every day that he's in the legislature is a slap in the face to those survivors. Yeah. And when you think about like I have to sit there on the education committee with him sitting there behind me and that we start out every education committee with a prayer for the kids. And all I'm thinking is, wow, you know, I can't believe sitting right there with us is a man who abused that power so badly and admitted to one of his victims. And we've all heard him in that recording and he's sitting there like he deserves. It's just, it's so horrific to me that that is who I'm sitting with on that committee. It's a damn shame. Uh, all right, so final thoughts about the virus. What, what would you guys like to say to Governor Lee? What's the, what's the thing that you're looking for from him in the next couple of days? And, uh, and then we'll, we'll get you out of here. Well, I would like to see us uh, ramp up our testing. I'd like to see us have a shelter-in-place order. I'd like to see Medicaid expanded. And I would like to see a map of available beds and ventilators across Tennessee showing where they are so that we know where the holes are and we can get them filled. Because I think we need that visual so folks know where, where to go. And you can also figure out if you're in Knox County and you have plenty of hospitals, who's gonna be coming to your area because they don't have them. I think that we need to see that mapped out so we know we can better serve our districts. So those are some of the things that I want to see, but he needs to enact shelter in place immediately. Mike, do you have anything to add? Uh, I agree with everything that Representative Johnson said. I would just add uh, that all of that needs to be part of a clear, comprehensive plan that's available to the public and needs to be coupled with swift decisive action in terms of spending resources, organizing resources, and giving guidance to the public so that the implementation of these things is occurring rapidly hour by hour and not strung out in six or seven daily press briefings, drip, drip, drip. Uh, we need decisive action and we need a plan to coordinate that action and we need to make it public so that the public understands what they can expect. That's what we need. I think that's that's all good. And, and I wanna just add, because I see her writing about it a lot, that Jennifer Blandyamin says, please ask Governor Lee to take the low priority designation of our special needs out of the emergency preparedness plan. Apparently in the emergency preparedness plan, it specifically says people with special needs will not be given priority. Uh, I think that's something absolutely to be concerned about, and maybe that's something to look into. I had not heard that until she just said that. So just putting that on your, both of your radar. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for fighting. I know it's not easy. And uh, as this continues, you know, we can come on and do this again anytime if you are up for it. Thank you. Thank you for hosting. Tennessee. Woo! Yeah. Tennessee. To Tennessee.